Good afternoon. This is Dr. Gibson, and we are going to do our next webinar today on learning to look into the future. This is the first time we've done a webinar purely on clairvoyance and looking to the future, but we're going to do it in a little bit different fashion than what you probably expect. You see, most people don't really know what time is. And part of understanding how to look into the future and to uh, interpret information that comes from the future is learning exactly what time is so that your mind can cooperate with you on the concept of the future and the concept of time so that you won't be as likely to miss the signals, to miss the messages, and to miss the whole process of looking into the future accurately. So welcome to the seminar. You are in the white, right place. Uh, our staff will be looking at answering some of your questions. I'll take a few questions during the process, but we got a lot of material to cover. It's almost like doing a mini seminar in just an hour. So we're gonna have to pay close attention. Uh, for those of you who purchased the seminar, you'll be able to download this after the seminar is done. Michael will send you a link for the entire seminar and you'll be able to go over this very carefully. So let us get started. First of all, time does not exist. There is no such thing as time. Time is an artificial construct. Yes, we built clocks. Yes, we built calendars. Yes, we build all types of techniques and watches and things to keep track of time, but time in and of itself is an illusion. If we took all the clocks away, all the calendars, everything, time would be an arbitrary thing that we'd have to decide upon. The length of the day changes because time is an artificial construct. The length of the night changes because it's an artificial construct. When you go from one part of the world to another, one planet to another, the length of the day changes, the length of the year, the length of the minute, everything is arbitrary. And we have to first understand that, that time is an artificial construct. And that's just not me saying that. According to physics, the physics that govern our entire universe, the same things will occur regardless of what direction time is traveling in. That means that physicists now suggest that gravity isn't strong enough to force every object in the universe into a forward moving direction that we call time. In other words, there's just not enough gravity and gravity that is there is not strong enough to push us into the illusion of past, present and future. That's just an illusion. The laws of physics as we now understand them are considered to be completely time reversible which mean that time, it doesn't matter what direction we consider time, forward, backwards, whatever, whether we look at Newton's law of gravitation, Maxwell's electrodynamics, Einstein's special and general relativity or quantum mechanics, all the equations that describe our universe say that they work perfectly if time flows forward or backwards, which means that it doesn't matter if you put time into the equation or not. If you move it forward or if you move it backward, it doesn't matter. The universe still works perfectly, which, <coughs> which makes no sense, but that's what happens. And this wasn't written by just any person. This was written by one of the chief writers for Scientific American, one of the most prestigious American scientific journals in the world. This means that past, present, and future have no real meaning to your conscious mind. Reality, as we perceive it, depends entirely on what we allow ourselves to perceive. So if you think of tomorrow, yesterday, today, 10 minutes from now, it's all what you imagine it to be because the set fixed unit of time as we said, doesn't exist. A minute on Jupiter is a lot different than a minute on Earth. 
a year on Saturn is a different year because Saturn takes longer to go around the sun than we do. Everything that we consider to be real is not real. It's an illusion that we consider to be part of consciousness. But we have to first examine that before we can learn what the future is and how to interact with it. So clocks, and watches, and calendars, and other timekeeping instruments help us maintain this shared illusion that we call the passage of time. Outside of our illusion, the program that runs our reality would run with or without clocks just fine. So if you didn't have a watch, if you didn't have a calendar, if you didn't have a clock, if you didn't have a television, if you didn't have the internet, things would still work with this illusion that we call time just fine. As a matter of fact, most of our reality is invisible to us. There are things happening around us that relate to past, present, and future that we can't see, that go on just fine, despite the fact that we can't see them. Why do I say that? The human eye can see a very, very, very small percentage of the light that flows into it. Gamma rays hit the eye. X-rays hit the eye. Ultraviolet rays hit the eye. Infrared rays hit the eye. Radar, FM, television, shortwave, AM rays, and a whole bunch of others we can't even describe, including visible light in millions of different wavelengths hit the eye. But the, the eye can only process a very tiny percentage of that, a very tiny percentage. Actually, more than a trillionth of a percentage is what we can process. That's what we call light. Unfortunately, the same thing is true for the human ear. The human ear can perceive even less sound than the human eye. We're almost blind to the universe around us, which means that there's a lot of things that relate to the future and to the past and to the present that go on around us all the time. These things are events related to time that we have to learn to tune into and to see. Understandably, people will say, well, if it hasn't happened yet, how could it be already something that the eyes can perceive? There are a lot of illusions around us that we need to understand. There is a question. Since there's no time, what's the new definition of past, present, or future in today's lecture. Uh, let's hold that because I'm gonna get to that in a moment. Somebody's jumping ahead, but that's okay. We always get somebody jumping ahead. Getting back to the point, we're almost 100% blind to the full spectrum of reality. Past, present and the future flow around us continually, and there is no break. It's an unbroken procession of reality. We just can't see this procession. It's already there. So when a person has a psychic vision or deja vu or dream about something that hasn't happened, then it happens, or they're in a, an event and said, I've seen this before. That's because part of the mind blocks out the procession of reality that's around us. There are cities that are floating above us just out of the range of our normal vision. I remember when I was a kid, I used to sit on my grandmother's porch and I'd look up in the sky and I would see cities floating around in the sky. Beautiful cities. Some of them look, you know, just like cities in, on earth now, but some of them look like cities that would never be on earth, made out of crystal, made out of gold, with uh, buildings that looked like they were miles tall, beings flying around in the cities. I saw these very clearly. That vision is still there, but it's harder to bring the vision out now than it used to be, but that vision is still there. 
There are thousands of magical portals all around us, just out of range of our vision. Sometimes my wife and I were sitting down at, at, in the house, especially in the living room and the bedroom. We see these portals opening and closing all the time. And there are certain places where they like to open and close more than others. And we'll just say, do you see that? Yeah, so I saw it. We always see the same portals. And the portals are different colors. Some are blue, some are white, some are golden. Uh, some look like they're multicolored or rainbow colored. And these portals are just out of the range of the vision of most people, but they're there. Unmistakable when you see them. And there are thousands of astral portals, portals that open into different domains that are just around the corner from us that you can use to travel to different cities. In the book, Secrets of Astral Travel, we discuss some of these portals, portals that you can use to go to New York, Dubai, London, Paris, Tokyo, all kinds of major cities have portals that open in hotels, that open in elevators in certain buildings, that open all around the world. And there are orders and people that know about these portals. They are mapped, they are cataloged, and people use these portals to travel. If you remember the old show, I Dream of Genie, they would pop their fingers and appear from one place to another using portals. Well, that's where television mimics real life. That actually happens. These portals are real. There are also billions of heavenly and hell-like domains all around us, just out of the range of our vision. When you look at this picture, you see this huge being, probably 50, 60 feet tall is a good guess. And you see a man who's also very tall, he may be 10, 12 feet tall next to a normal sized human. And they're in a place that doesn't look like it's on earth. But I've seen these places, they're all around us. When you go there in dreams, when you open your eyes in dreams and you think about such domains, you can see them, they are there. They're neither in the past, nor in the present, nor in the future. They're in a place that is in between all of those domains, all of those dimensions. All of those places are there. You've been taught incorrectly about the concept and true nature of time. Reality actually exists as a system of fields that exist simultaneously, all at one time. Those fields are called temporal energy fields. Temporal energy fields. Temporal means time. Energy means energy related to time. As we said, time doesn't exist. Time as we've been taught is an illusion. But we're gonna introduce a new concept, temporal energy fields. Temporal energy fields. Temporal energy fields flow continuously from the core of the central processing matrix that controls our reality. We can most easily look at our reality as a large holographic program, and that's how most scientists now accept our reality, that we live in a very sophisticated programmed reality that's coming from a large central processing core. These temporal energy fields that are coming from this central processing core contain all the information for the creation of our reality. Our reality is emanating from a central place, which elucidates the fact that our reality is pre-existent. Our reality is pre-existent. Now, what does that mean? It means that our reality existed before we perceive it. The past existed before we experienced it and put it in the past. The present existed before you moved into it from yesterday. Tomorrow exists before you get there. It all is existing at the same time. The brain has to put all the events in a place, in a catalog. We have to call 
yesterday, we have to call that yesterday because it doesn't make sense to call it, to call it tomorrow because, quote unquote, we've already experienced it. We have to call today, today, minute by minute, because it seems like we're experiencing it one minute at a time. But we're actually not. Temporal energy fields flow around us simultaneously. These fields present reality to us as one big jumble of processed energy. It's like walking onto the beach and each grain of sand is a field. Well, it's almost impossible for your mind to process all the grains of sand on a beach. You have to look at them and in the process one grain, you have to go down and pick it up and focus on that one grain. But the beach is more than just one grain of sand. It is trillions of grains of sand all existing simultaneously on one beach in one area near one piece of ocean. That's the way our reality is. Coexistent energy fields that we have to process one at a time, one instant at a time, one time unit at a time. Now just sit with that for a moment. One instant, one time unit at a time. So when you want to process the concept of looking into the future, you first have to process the concept of an instant of temporal energy. And that's what you're looking at, an instant of temporal energy. These temporal fields interact with the human brain via the cerebellum. The cerebellum is this piece of the brain that you see how outlined in this orange part of the field. The cerebellum is about 10 to 12% of the entire mass of the brain. It is a very tightly, very, very tightly packed, very extremely layered part of the brain. And it looks like it has hundreds of different layers. That's because it does. And it has in its very small space, over 50% of all the cells in the brain packed into this one small area. It's about a little bit smaller than your fist. But we store, and this is very important, all of the events of our lives and the reality around us inside the cerebellum before we were born. We store the events of our lives and the reality around us inside this little golden area that you're seeing on the screen before we were born. Again, the cerebellum is about 50% of the mass of the entire brain. If you look at the rest of the brain, it's a small area compared to the rest of the brain. Temporal lobes, frontal cortex, occipital cortex are all much bigger. But it's a densely packed system of cells that stores all of the events from your past, from your present, and your future that you will ever experience, all in this one part of the brain. So that means that when your brain was created, it stored all the events that you're ever going to experience inside this one area. So a psychic is not actually seeing into the future. They're seeing into a pre-recorded area of the brain that holds all the information that you will ever experience. The cerebellum is also responsible for the illusion of the flow of time. The cerebellum is responsible for the illusion of the flow of time. All the events that we perceive as happening in our reality proceed from this region of the brain in such a way that we feel that time is passing. So the illusion is maintained by this tightly dense packed area of the brain that we call the cerebellum. So we have to understand this so it doesn't seem so impossible. The brain, when you are born, stores all of the events in your life 
everything from day one. How is it that we don't remember it? Well, in another seminar, actually several seminars, we've discussed this fact. Why is it that we block out all the events that are going to happen to us since we already know everything? We already know every lottery number. We already know every score of every football, baseball, basketball, soccer game. We know we're going to marry. We know we're going to divorce. We know where we're going to go to college. We know all of it. But the birth process is traumatic. Within a few seconds of being born, we leave the womb, and it's cold out here. The womb is a nice 97, 98 degrees. We get outside, and it's much colder in most places. Sometimes when we, when we leave the womb, somebody hits us, and it slaps your heart, just like that, several times until you start crying. Well, you're crying because it hurt, and it hurt because somebody hit you. Well, when you're in the womb, you don't get hit. You don't process what being hit is. Also, once you get out of the womb, somebody cuts you. They cut that cord that you have that you've been living on for your entire life. They call that the umbilical cord. So you get hit, you get cut, somebody slaps you, you start crying, it's cold, and that's all extremely traumatic. So the mind just cuts all that off. Almost nobody remembers being born. Almost nobody, for this same reason, remembers the first year or two of their entire lives because we cut all of those traumas out. And in the process, we cut down a lot of the memories of what's going to happen to us in life. We call that process the dream sensor. And the dream sensor makes it so that we don't remember anything. And that process continues throughout life. We don't remember what we did a week ago or what we had for supper, or conversations. And as you get older, it gets really bad. You go from one room to the next, and you get there, you say, why am I in this room? What was on TV last night? What is my wife's middle name? When is our... You forget all those things. And that is in part because of the dream sensor. And when you leave this lifetime and go to another one, you forget the entire lifetime. And you have to start all over with that process. As infants, we remember everything that's going to happen to us in this life. We have that memory. We have it in the womb. We have it before uh, we reach a year old. Over time, we forget everything but a few glimpses, and we call those glimpses deja vu. But we have all those things in our consciousness already. So hold in your mind the concept that we already have everything stored in our minds in the cerebellum before we were born, and during the process of being born, those memories aren't destroyed, they are just blocked. NASA has done studies on this whole process. And NASA has looked at the fact that we have tremendous creative genius potential when we're young. Actually, they look at people um, in research studies and, and intelligence tests, up until age five, and they find out that up until age five, 98% of people test as geniuses on creativity and IQ tests. 98% of the human population tests at the genius level up until age five. Now just think about that for a moment. Most people we know are not geniuses in testing, but at that age, most people are. It drops down to 30% at age 10, and it drops again dramatically in five years to 12%. By the time we reach the age of 30, 31, only 2% of people, and that's what most testing continually shows, will test at the genius level. But when we're young, almost all of us have genius level ability. We have all of our memories. We talk about the future. We talk about interacting with supernatural beings. We talk about seeing goals. We all have those abilities. But as we age, we gradually block them out. We all possess this genius level ability to perceive reality when we're born, but it atrophies as we get older. Doesn't mean the memories and the ability go away. We just block them out. Let's see what this question is. 
Can the events stored in the cerebellum be changed by the choices we make? That is an excellent question. Thank you, Jeannie. Well, the choices that we make are also stored in the cerebellum. It's like you got a large DVD collection and all the different ways that you're gonna look on that DVD are programmed into the DVD. Are you gonna look at it in uh, color? Are you gonna look at it in black and white? Are you gonna look at chapter one or chapter 10? What kind of sound are you gonna use? Uh, are you gonna look at it fast or slow? All of those events are already stored in your cerebellum. And so are all the choices relate, related to what kind of uh, experiences you're going to experience. All of those things and all those choices you make before you're born, you make before you even come into a body. Excellent question. So until age five, we possess the ability to see into the future, communicate across dimensions, perceive higher realms, and communicate with the, with the gods. We don't lose these abilities, but something in our consciousness just blocks them so that we still have the abilities and then we have to struggle and fight to get them back. And that's what this seminar is about. Understand that you already have this ability. And from time to time, it's not unusual to get glimpses of the future, both in dreams, through other people, through visions, through your meditations, through psychics, it's not unusual. But it's not commonplace as it was when we were children, we were very young. That is the cutest little baby, I just love that picture. As we age, the temporal energies around us, the temporal fields move into higher realms of perception, which means that it moves away from the conscious mind as you can see from this graph, the conscious mind is only a little bit, very tiny percentage, less than 1% of our consciousness. We have a pre-conscious mind, which is much more active. Pre-conscious stores information and facts that we call on the tip of our tongue, things like your phone number, your address, your uh, social security number, et cetera. Then the unconscious, things that are a little bit harder to pick up, but if you work at it, uh, you can pick them up, like your third grade teacher's name or what you had for dinner two weeks ago, et cetera, on a Thursday. Celestial consciousness is a higher form of consciousness that you can't really perceive or get in touch with. It comes through dreams. It comes through visions. It comes through very diligent, uh, hardcore spiritual work. And higher consciousness just isn't for most people available. It's there, but only through special guidance and teaching can you even begin to touch higher consciousness. If you notice, 96% of your consciousness just isn't there for you to deal with. That's where your memories, that's where your higher function, that's where your ability to see into the future moves into. When you look around reality, most of your ability to perceive it moves away from you. You just can't get to it. Why does it do that? And how does it go there? What's pushing it away from your conscious mind? As you can see, it's pushed away with a vengeance. What do we do to increase the ability to remember and recall this information easier? Especially your teachings, are, are there specific tools or techniques you can recommend? That's what the seminar is about, and we're going to get to them in a few moments. Can we change the future? Can we go do things to improve our health, like lose weight? Remember, there is no such thing as the future. There's no such thing as the past. There's no such thing as the present. I remember once in a dream, or what I thought was a dream, I was standing on the deck of a ship. And the ship looked like a very large, uh, almost an IMAX level series of screens that were floating in the middle of nowhere. The only thing that was solid was the deck. And these screens kept moving simultaneously. And there was a being that was made out of light that was holding my hand. It felt warm like, um, like sunlight, but it was a little bit more solid than sunlight. And the being was showing me all these different events. 
And these events were moving on the screen. And the being said, this is your life. But I could see kindergarten, I could see second grade, I could see 10th grade, I could see me as an old person, all simultaneously. And he said that you got to make choices about which one of these you want to experience before you wake up. He didn't say anything about destiny, didn't say anything about um, me having to choose certain things. He, said, he just said, you got to make a choice of which one you're going to experience. And all of them are going on at the same time. So changing the future is a matter of choosing which future you want to experience. We are very subtly pushed away from the experience of certain future choices. All of them are available to us, rich or poor, healthy or unhealthy, happy or unhappy. They're all available to us. But we tend to have certain mindsets of behaviors that lock us into certain ways of choosing. When we're young, temporal energy, these temporal energy fields fill the entire body. And these fields allow us to choose between futures that are already set there. A lot of them are very happy. But as we age, more and more negative energy starts to fill the body. Negative thoughts, we eat the wrong food, we curse, we smoke, we use drugs, we hang around negative people, we watch murders, we read about things that hurt our consciousness. And this energy, this positive temporal energy leaves because we push it out. This energy allows us to perceive events from different domains more easily. As we age, our choices push the energy out so that we can't see all these, all these different choices around us. And where does it push it to? It moves it into the higher mind and the celestial consciousness, out of the way of this human conscious mind. So if you look at this image on at age five, we have all this temporal energy that amounts basically to genius. At age 10, that energy moves away. And you can start to see this dark stuff start to fill in. At age 20, most of that temporal energy that was there is gone. And at age 30, we have very little left. We have just enough left to push in us into the program that we call being grown up. A lot of people lose that light that they have when they were younger. And as a result, they can't make the same choices. They start being programmed into certain eating habits that are unhealthy or, un or healthy, relationship patterns that are healthy or, or healthy, job patterns, sexual patterns, drug use or abuse, et cetera, et cetera. And then we have the illusion that we can't change it. Well, all the choices are still there. We've just pushed them into areas of consciousness where we can't see them. Our diet, our negative language and thinking, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, disease, and other negative factors cause our ability to use and perceive temporal fields to decline. Temporal fields are still there, but it's just pushed into a compartment in our consciousness where we can't use them. I want you to remember that. As we use these techniques, as we go over these techniques, remember that all of these temporal fields that you're gonna to learn to see are already inside of you. So you have to unlearn bad habits with these techniques. Is knowing your history the same as accessing the energy in your cerebellum? Absolutely, that's excellent question, Thomas, excellent question. Is knowing your history the same as accessing the information in your cerebellum? Accessing any information about your past, present, or future, about yourself or anybody, is accessing information in your cerebellum. If you read information about another person, remember that all the information about you, all the information about everybody is stored in your cerebellum. So that all the information about the universe is stored inside of you. Remember, the human brain has trillions of times more storage capacity than, than the most sophisticated computer in the world. Trillions of times more storage capacity. 
which means that we could easily store every book that has ever been written, every movie that has ever been recorded, every computer program that's ever been recorded in just a few grams of our DNA. In just a few cells inside the brain, we could do that very easily. So we have all this information about everything stored inside of us, just waiting to be seen. The key to recovering this ability to use our higher senses and to see into these different domains lies in recovering your connection to these temporal energy fields. Remember that you already store information about the future in these temporal energy fields inside your body. Your higher consciousness is inside your body. Your celestial consciousness is inside your body. It's not on some mountain somewhere. It's inside of you. You just have to remember how to unlock the key to accessing it. So let's get started. Temporal energy fields are intelligent. Pay close attention to this part because it's a lot of information that's gonna be spoken in just a few minutes. Temporal energy fields are intelligent. They communicate with us through many forms and one of them is the dream state. Temporal energy fields are intelligent. They communicate with us through many forms. And the first form we're going to talk about is your dream state. Temporal energy fields store information in the songs that we hear in dreams. I've written a little bit about this on Instagram and on Gandon. The information we may or may not, that we hear in, in songs in the dreams, may or may not have anything to do with the song or its lyrics at all. So don't get over hung up on the concept of what the lyrics mean in the song. Sometimes, actually, what I find is most of the time, the lyrics have nothing to do with the information. The artist has nothing to do with the information. Give you a good example. I heard the song Breakfast at Tiffany's by Deep Blue Something. That's the name of the group. I heard the song in dreams for weeks. I like the song, it has a catchy lyric. And I heard this song for weeks and then I figured out that the energy inside the song was trying to communicate with me. I listened to the song almost continually for several days. I didn't listen to anything else on radio or on my iPad. I just listened to the song. And I find that when you hear a song in a dream, that's an intelligence trying to communicate with you. As I meditated with the song, after about several days, I found that my mother, my spiritual mother, the goddess Lakshmi appeared to me in a vision while I was meditating, four days into listening to the song. That's how long it took. And she wanted me to place an altar for her in a special place. And I did as she asked, and then I didn't hear the song in the dream anymore. It stopped just like that. So after days, actually a couple of weeks of hearing this song every day, I did what she asked. She appeared to me, I did what she asked in the dream, and then the song stopped. Then I realized that the goddess Lakshmi had sent me this song and sent her vision, this information, like a record, piggybacked on top of the song to give me some instructions. The consciousness of a god or a goddess is so powerful that it would overwhelm us. It's like a lightning bolt compared to um, a grain of sand. It would just destroy our conscious, consciousness. So they, she sent it through something that my mind could absorb and in a downgraded form that I could eventually decode and pick up. She used the energy of a song as a medium, which downloaded the temporal field of her request. So she encoded the temporal field of her request into a song. My cerebellum picked up the message, related to my conscious mind, and caused me to act on her request. But what it did, the real thing that happened, is my cerebellum already had the information. But that information had to be stimulated 
by the song and the dream. And then I remember that at this point in my life, my spiritual mother was going to ask me to put an altar to her in a certain place in my home. So the dream, the song and the dream stimulated a temporal feel that I had stored to spur me that, to action. And that's how that works. The higher mind, the gods, elementals, and celestial consciousness may piggyback messages, books, songs, paintings, and other valuable pieces of information into your dreams. If you see, hear a song in a dream, don't ignore it. Any song you hear in a dream is a piece of information that usually comes from higher intelligence because that's most of who you are. Play that song, play, read that passage from the book, look at that movie over and over and over until you get the message. It may take hours, it may take days, it may take weeks. But once you get the message, it will be unmistakable. You will say, oh, that's what that was for. It will feel like an aha moment. Don't make the mistake of forcing the message to fit the song. What I found is that usually the message has nothing to do with the song, nothing to do with the artist, nothing to do with what you think the message is. Allow the process to unfold. This is a picture of one of my um, favorite artists. Uh, even though when I was a kid, when I was younger, I didn't really listen to Millie Jackson that much. But she's a very uh, popular artist from the 70s and 80s. Beautiful smile on that lady. The god DeJanti often downloads books, paintings, seminar materials, and other music through the music of Millie Jackson. Now look at Millie Jackson and think of what the God Talk looks, by, looks like. I would not put God, the God Talk of Millie Jackson in my mind. <clears throat> but when I hear certain songs playing in a dream, her songs playing in a dream, I play them on my iPad, and every time a, a piece of information, a book, a painting, a sigil will download from the God Talk. Every time there are certain songs from Millie Jackson that he piggybacks information on. And that happened for years before I figured out it was him. And sometimes I had to play these songs for days. And now when I'm writing a book that he's trying to send me, I will play certain Millie Jackson songs because it makes the book, the, the painting, the sigil, the information flow more easily. Thank you, Millie Jackson. It flows on top of her music. But she's not the only one. The God Toth uses Millie Jackson to communicate with me. I recognize that gods use human music as a way of manipulating temporal energy fields. Those songs that are in your head during the day or at nighttime, they're not there by choice by, or by random thought. When I hear the music of certain artists in a dream or in the waking state, I know that certain entities have used those songs, those lyrics, those words to communicate with me. And I had to sit down with myself and start to catalog who those entities were. And I'll just give you a few of them. As we said, the Lord Toth communicates with me through Millie Jackson. Strange connection, but there it is. The God of Braxis uses Teddy Pendergrass. So when I hear a Teddy Pendergrass song, Come Go With Me, people who know Teddy know that song. Bad Luck by Head, um, <clears throat> Teddy Pendergrass, <coughs> and Harold Merrill in the Blue Notes. I hear those songs and I know that's the Lord of Braxis. If you don't know this artist on the end in the blue shirt with the guitar, that's David Gilmore, lead guitarist of Pink Floyd, one of my favorite groups. I loved Pink Floyd when I was in college. The first CD I ever bought, the first cassette that I ever bought from a store was Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, one of the best-selling albums of all time. Whenever I hear Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, or whenever I hear David Gilmore's guitar, I know that's the God Odin trying to communicate with me. I had to figure that out by playing it over and over and then 
in the dream, Odin will appear. I also figured out that you have to listen to their message in a repetitive way. You have to listen to it very carefully. You listen to the movie, you look at the movie, you, you read the passage from a book, usually not the entire book, it's just a passage in the book and songs. And sometimes you're even led to certain internet pages without knowing why you're going there. An address will appear in a dream or a page will appear in a dream. A website, I get that all the time, will appear in a dream. And you may be invited to download information across space and time through these, through these methods. And what's happening is that the temporal field of a higher consciousness is interacting with your cerebellum to spur you to action. Basically, you're looking across space and time through the temporal field stored in your cerebellum. Certain messages are keyed to portal travel. And I want you to listen to this very carefully. I learned that whenever I play David Gilmore's live version of Comfortably Numb, which is a very popular song that he plays in by Pink Floyd, if I play it at least three times in a row, a portal opens in my consciousness and it takes me to Asgard. I learned that if I play David Gilmore's live version, not the recorded version, not the pre-recorded version, but live at Gdansk, which is one of the albums that he created, not the original Pink Floyd album, and not any of the other, because I listened to a bunch of them, but the live at Gdansk album, his recording of Comfortably Numb for me allows me to travel to, Gdansk, to Asgard every time I listen to it three times in a row, not once, not twice, not five times, but three times. It's almost like it's a, a coded, portal opening in my consciousness and it works like clockwork try it for yourself to see it see if it works find the album david gilmore live at gdansk and play the live version of comfortably numb and you know what happens whenever i look i got the dvd as well beautiful recording when i look at the dvd recording and listen to it it's even stronger i go there even more quickly in the dream When I listen to the song Pretty Flower by Harold Melvin and the Blue Nose, which is an old 70s R&B group, with Teddy Pendergrass singing lead, they recorded it since without Teddy, but I, I found out that the one with Teddy singing, Lord of Braxes appears to me in a vision. And if I'm near a casino, near slot machines, he leads me to a slot machine that gives me a, a jackpot every time the times that I wrote about getting a jackpot and Lord of Braxis led to the, me to the machine. I played the song Pretty Flower, the original version by Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes with Teddy singing lead, the jackpot. He shows me what machine and the time that I'm going to win it because my wife and I tested it once. We walked around that casino for an hour and y'all said, now it's time to go play. We played other machines. We played the machines to the right and left of the one we were going to play. And we, then we said, Abraxas had this machine. And I looked at it. And then when the time came, it was 11 o'clock in the morning. I said, let's do it. And he said, I'm pushing in a certain sequence. And I'll be doggone if we didn't win. Just the way he said. And that came from a message that he gave to me through Harold Melvin and the Blue Note song, Pretty Flowers. True story. Still got the money. So these connections happen and they work both ways. Means if you wish to contact the other side, use the tool that you were sent. So if I want to talk to the Lord Odin, I'll play David Gadance, David Gilmore's Comfortably Numb Live from Gadance. I'll play it three times and I go to sleep and there he is. So it's like a two-way message. He contacts me through the song and then I've learned that I can contact him through the song. Repeat it until you hear it in the dream. I also find that if I hear it in the dream after I play it in the physical world, that being will show up. It's their calling card, so to speak. You will find that in your consciousness, there are already pre-recorded calling cards from any number of beings. Those songs you hear in your head are not there by chance. You place them there as calling cards from other beings. Now, be careful. If you hear a rap with cursing words, any song with cursing words, 
Those beings are demons. They can call you as well. They are dark gods. They are dark elementals. Those beings, if you hear cursing words in a song, a hundred times out of a hundred, that's a dark entity calling you. They can call you as well. And you can answer or not. You can play it until they call you. You can do that as well. Uh, let's keep moving because we're just a little bit behind, but that's okay. Temporal energy fields that we perceive from the future are tied to very specific things in the physical world. Knowledge of these procedures and items can help open a whole new world to you. We're going to go over a few things very quickly, but if you get this talk afterwards, you can look at it and go back over some of the procedures. Let's talk about the temporal field frequency. Temporal fields operate on a specific frequency that ancient people knew about. So every temporal field that exists operates on the same frequency. There are different pitches within that frequency, different modulations within that frequency that higher beings know about. So you can be listening to the same frequency. And if it modulates in one direction, people don't understand sound, know what a modulation is or know what pitch is. If you change the pitch or the modulated frequency, the same frequency will give you different beings. Recent archeological research has discovered that many ancient oracular temples, places where people look, went to look into the future, encoded for this same frequency. And that frequency encoded into the walls of these places is 111 Hertz. Every one of these temples, when scientists measure the frequency of sound that would modulate using special equipment in these places, is 111 Hertz exactly. There are very few places in the world where a building modulates at 111 Hertz exactly. Well, that is the frequency of temporal energy. When you listen to that frequency, your mind automatically starts to open up to the future. It starts to open up to the past. It starts to open up to different time fields that are already pre-existent inside your head. Now, how do we know that? Well, scientists have done research using MRIs and sound called functional MRIs while people are listening to 111 hertz exactly. They found that using functional MRIs, fMRIs, that the prefrontal cortex switches off, which is a part of us that gives us most of, most of our daytime chatter and visions. It deactivates your language center. You stop talking. It switches your brain from right brain to left brain. Most people, 80, 90% of the time, are using their right brain. The creative center of the brain is shut down. Your intuition goes into high gear. Your creativity goes into high gear. Your healing ability moves into high gear, strangely enough. And most people, when they listen to it long enough, go into a spontaneous trance or meditative state. Well, it, if this sounds familiar, basically, it turns on your childhood mind. The part of your mind that you had when you were a kid that operated 98% of the time at the genius level. It also turns on the cerebellar temporal energy processing center of your brain which means that it starts giving you access to the parts of the brain that hold your ability to look into the future. So if you can meditate or sleep with 111 Hertz exactly, you, take, you make a quantum leap in your ability to look into a to the future. 111 Hertz exactly. Not some of the stuff you get on YouTube, but you can find it. Um, and if you can't find it enough, if, if enough people are interested, if you email us at the end of this through my email address or through Tybro's email address, um, I can take the time and make up a 111 exact frequency modulated uh, download. It won't be free because it's going to take some time to make that up. It's hard to make a modulated downloaded frequency at 111. It was going to take me a couple hours. But that part effectively turns off the lower mind and turns on your ability to see the future. Ancient people knew this, and so when they meditated or they sang in these caverns, 
They were tuned somehow to 111 hertz. The oracles could see into the future. People that went into these places could see into the future much more effectively. For that reason, 111 hertz is considered to be a holy frequency. You play it while you sleep, it will strengthen your clairvoyant vision. It shuts down the monkey mind, it shuts down the prefrontal cortex, it shuts down the temporal cortexes, the language centers, and turns on the cerebellar cortex, which is much more than movement and balance, by the way, and allows you to begin to see into the future very accurately. You ask a question about the future, play the frequency of 111 hertz exactly, and answers will start flowing into your mind. It may come in as a song from the future. It may come in as words. It may come in as numbers. But you listen to those songs, and the answer you're looking for will pop into the mind. Most frequently, I find that it shows up as an angel. I don't know why 111 hertz shows up as an angel. That may be why people call it the holy frequency. But the angel will usually show up and give you the answer to your question. Crystal balls. There are some misconceptions about crystal balls we need to clear up. Because there are ways to use crystal balls that we have never really discussed that most people don't know about. First of all, crystal balls are designed to be used in pairs, not as singular entities, but in pairs. They need to be open and unblocked. Most crystals don't like humans using their energies without permission or unblocking them. They must also be charged with earth energy. Crystals come from the earth. When we separate from the earth, the crystal energy, the crystal loses a lot of its power. The crystal can be unblocked using a sigil of unblocking. One sphere is used to download energy. One sphere uses that download energy and transmits it to the individual. So one sphere, one crystal sphere, is used to download energy from the temporal fields that are around you. The other one then is used as a transmitter or a radiator to radiate the energy inside your consciousness. Now this is how you prepare crystal balls. Pay close attention. <coughs> One, wash both crystal balls that you're going to use, wash them both at the same time in warm, salty water. Place both spheres. Now, when I mean warm, salty water, take uh, about a gallon of salty water and put, take a gallon of clean water and put about a cup of salt in that water. Rock salt, normal salt will do. And... Place the spheres inside the water and wash them. Wash them for a good three, four minutes, maybe five minutes altogether, so they can soak up. And this salt water will soak up a lot of the negative energy of the crystals having been handled by other people. Dry them off with a nice uh, cotton cloth, and then place the spheres in a, in a silk cloth with mugwort and use the um, powdered uh, mugwort you can find in in a thousand places online. Use about a teaspoonful of mugwort and put it inside the silk cloth or silk bag, whichever. Put it in there with mugwort and with sage. Get some sage from online. Get some sage from any herbal outlet and use about the same amount. Use about a teaspoon of sage and about a teaspoon of rock salt and place it in the bag or the cloth with the two crystal spheres. Like we said, just about a teaspoon of these herbs will do and a teaspoon of the rock salt will do. Also, print out this sigil. And this is a sigil that helps attract temporal energy fields. We put this in our uh, Atlantean psionic uh, book. <clears throat> so you print out the sigil and place it inside the cloth or the bag with the crystals. This sigil greatly enhances a sphere's ability, the crystal sphere's ability to download temporal energy fields. By themselves, their ability is weak. You can greatly amplify their energy by taking a picture or image or a screenshot of this image, putting it inside the bag. You only need one. Then you bury the cloth under a large tree, preferably an oak or an elm. So if you don't have an oak nearby, oaks are not hard to find. They're all over the world. 
or an elm tree. Make it a strong, healthy, large oak, an oak tree that is at least, that's bigger than what you can wrap your arms around. And then leave it there for 30 days, at least for 30 days. Preferable to do this on a full moon. And after the end of 30 days, dig it up on the first full moon closest to that 30-day period. But leave it there for a minimum of 30 days. The longer you leave it, the more powerful these spears get. So print out this sigil, place it inside the cloth with the spears, and then bury the cloth with the contents under a large tree, preferably elk or on elm, and leave them there for one month. And then dig them up and take the spears out of the cloth, clean them all very thoroughly, and place them in a dark area. Put them on some sort of pedestal and place them both in a dark area. Choose one to be the receiver and leave it there. So when you see most people reading crystal ball, you only see one crystal ball, but there's usually going to be another crystal somewhere hidden that you can't see. You're going to leave that one as the receiver. It's going to receive temporal energy field. You're going to place a transmitter on top of your desk or table or whatever. And that is the one that's going to transmit the information to you from the receiving crystal, which is the one that's hidden. doesn't matter if the one that's hidden sees light. It's not going to be working on light energy. It's going to work on temporal energy, which can penetrate anything. Also take a fresh copy of this sigil. Place it under the crystal. You can put it, you can put the sigil under a cloth and then place the pedestal on top of the cloth and place the crystal on top of the pedestal. That's fine. And that will work just fine. And then address the crystal with a question. Don't do any more than two or three questions a day. And then sometimes when you do it correctly, the crystal will form images inside itself, or you can see them in your third eye, or sometimes the crystal will transmit the vision to your dream. If it does that, it usually will appear as an angel, but sometimes it will appear as a very bright, lucid dream. And that's your answer. If you prepare these crystals properly, you'll get better answers about looking into the future if you follow these instructions. Let's talk a few moments about the oracle cards. The oracle cards have a very strong hidden power. Oracle cards aren't just cards. They are secret transmitters of temporal energy. We're going to talk more about that in, in some of our future work. But oracle cards are a way of storing and transmitting temporal energy. If you shuffle the cards after asking a question and you get an energy of 35 or greater and the instructions about how to read the energy levels in the cards are written with the instructions, if you get a temporal card reading of 35 or higher, you've drawn down energy from the future. But it has to be energy of 35 or higher, which means that you need to get the greater Toth card or the lesser Toth card to be able to get up that high. Leave the cards out in plain sight after you get an energy reading of 35 or greater and ask a specific prayer over the cards. The cards will go into your temporal energy fields inside your cerebellum and bring out the future consequence most closely related to your answer. Leave the cards out for five days if you get a temporal energy reading, the 35 or greater, leave it out. The energy from the cards will go into your cerebellum and bring out the future you asked for. Leave them out for five days. Now, if you look at the cards and leave them in a place where the energy of cursing, drinking, smoking is, you're going to disrupt your connection to that temporal field. So put them in a place where you're not going to have disruptive energy. Don't put them in a place where people can mess with them. Don't put them in a place where people are cursing or drinking or smoking or being disrespectful. This energy is almost like a holy energy. It doesn't like to be messed with. It also doesn't like if you mess with the cards and touch the reading within five days. Don't touch the reading. Now, there's one circumstance which you can touch the reading within this five-day period. You can use the gods of light amulet as an amplifier for that temporal energy at 35 or higher. If you place 
the gods of light amulet on top of your reading of 35 or higher, it will enhance the ability of that a reading, the temporal energy to answer your prayer. Leave it there on top of your reading for five days and your answer will come to you faster than you can think. You may need to do this more than one time, but the answer will come to you faster than you can think. The amulet is programmed with sigils that are designed to amplify your reading. It has tremendous amounts of light inside of it that are designed to work with temporal energy fields that'll give you assistance in answering your prayers. Remember, be respectful of the amulet. Don't curse around it. Don't drink with it on. Don't smoke with it on. Don't take it in places that where it would be disrespected. It has very powerful holy energy. Work with it and it will work with you. Let's see if we can take one of these questions because we've gone way over the hour. You can use an amber spear, amber works, but raw quartz works better. The crystal that works best is labradorite or lapis lazuli. Um, lab lapis lazuli is kind of a dark crystal. Lapis lazuli works better than any of them. You will be able to see images inside the lapis. So lapis and raw quartz work better than amber, but amber will work too, that's probably the third best. That's all we can answer right now. Thank you so much for being with us and I'm glad you could join us. And uh, we'll see you at our next webinar. Thank you so much.